This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch and recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters can be used in different role playing games. I am your host Jeremy and I am joined by my co-host Afif who is just running, running, running through a desert with nothing in sight beyond sand. Yeah, I'm from Darwin originally, how did you know? I thought Darwin was all the wet. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's the best link I had. Uh, Darwin is wet for like 90% of the year, so... Well, there's only two seasons up in the, the top end. It's uh, the dry and the wet. Yep. Uh, we're not great at naming seasons. Hey, well. those those are accurate. You're just as good as the people who name something Shark Bay when it has no sharks in it. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so we are talking about Cyberpunk Edgerunners, which is available on Netflix. Uh, we're talking about episode six. We don't have any questions this week, so we're just going to get straight into it. Um, this is Girl on Fire, where Maine doesn't seem to be himself, but the team has bigger fish to fry. They must race against time to extract vital information from their prisoner. Their prisoner being Tanaka, the um, yeah. the guy that's kind of been pulling all the strings of David's life to date. Uh, yeah, it's not just some random prisoner. Yeah, it's just some random person that they, they picked up. Uh, we see um, young and skinny Maine, pre-chrome. Yes, we do. Well, I don't think we know it's Maine yet, do we? It is, like, a little ambiguous, I think. Yeah, it's just, it's just someone at this stage. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just running through the desert, running, running, running. And this... I'm just going to go through, like, the, the full outline of this now. Because this episode, not long, but fuck. <laughs> it's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the vibes. It's yeah, not so much so... like what actually happens. It's like the feelings around it and yeah. Yeah. The action. Basically, Maine is starting to break down. He's going into cyberpsychosis. He beats the shit out of Kiwi while she's diving into Tanaka to get the information out of it. Out of him. Um, which is not great. He blacks out. And then Falco, MVP, like beats the shit out of him. <laughs> which like, yeah, okay, he must have sure. a hell of a, hell of a right hook to take down Maine. Yeah. I- I'm guessing he does. Uh, so they have to go and get Lucy to replace, replace Kiwi. Uh, and that's kind of what they do. They chuck Lucy in instead and David has to, or she convinces David to convince her to do it. I wasn't really sure what was going on there. <sighs> Yeah, that's... Oh, okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, and then during the um, the deep dive into her, into into Tanaka, like, she finds out something about David, but then Tanaka starts to wake up and has a conversation with David uh, and tries to convince him to come back to Arasaka. But then Main and Dorio bust in and um, basically pull them out. But I think that accidentally kills Tanaka. Again, this yeah, was I'm not really was, sure. It's it's kind of unclear. It wasn't quite clear what was going on there, but obviously that triggered a trauma team, and that just starts to to get messier and messier as David and Lucy try to get out. Main and Dario get in a shootout. Dario gets killed. 
uh, Maine really starts losing it, goes into full cyber psycho, like he he's just gone, and like ends up doing a a massive sacrifice as he as David saves himself and Max Tack arrives, and that's it. That's kind of all that happens. It's like the the farewell, the um, Viking funeral for for Maine and Dorio. Yeah, the going out with a blaze, yeah. the biggest way possible. Yeah. Except it's only just a taste of what's to come. I know. This is it's episode six. We've still got four to go, yo. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about this one? Um, it was I think I've talked a bit before about how much I enjoy the the mini series format, but I think it does have its shortcuts as well because sometimes you do want to build stuff up over time and i think like this and maybe the next episode there are elements that feel a bit rushed at times um yeah there are certain bits where it just kind of slowed down and it was very much that arty we're looking at somebody's eyes they breathe in and out and we just see it like quivering a little bit and i'm like just just get to the action i'm kind of here for the action on this episode <laughs> yeah I'm not here for the so the pacing Sometimes it felt perfect and sometimes it felt really off. Well, I think the more the, um, like, Maine's descent into cyberpsychosis. Yeah. Because there's not well, I really... I questions about that too. There's not really a hint at it earlier. We we see, like, the immunoblockers and, like, his usage of them. But it is yeah. just, like, he kind of goes through that whole arc in the one episode, like, very quickly, you know? Well... No, he like because he's starting to get a bit twitchy in the previous episode as well. Oh, was he? Yeah, I oh, think I have a feeling that the EMP. I have a feeling that the EMP that Kurosaki pops out oh. kind of scrambles him a little bit. Sure. Because like Dario has to beat the like really get on him and start smacking him in the face to get him to wake up after that. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. I'm wondering whether that like fried something and now he's like, he's things aren't working as well. Yep. Because otherwise it's like in the space of like 24 hours, he went from normal to psycho. Yeah. Um, Oh no. But the other thing, sorry, that I thought was kind of ambiguous was what happened to Kiwi. Cause I thought she was dead. (laughs) Like, that's fair. They had, they had these like extreme shots with like her jaw hanging off, and I was like, "Oh god!" Like, well, oh, that's the thing. Kiwi's got a mask on all times, and I yeah. have a feeling that she doesn't have a jaw under that. Yeah, that he smashes the mask, and we just get to see that's why she wears the mask. Yeah, but normally, I feel like if not, you know, if you have like Darth Vader, who's got like a similar kind of mask breathing apparatus, normally you take that off, like he dies, <laughs> like he's got to keep it on to live. So yeah. when Kiwi has hers knocked off, and oh, I don't think I don't there. think it's good for her. <laughs> yeah, that's why Falco beats the crap out of him. <laughs> One punch, Falco. Falco punch. That's a thing, right? Oh, yeah, Falco punch. Yeah, that's yeah. before my time. I probably, I know it from <laughs> Smash Brothers. Bro- that is before your time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I like that. I kind of like his breakdown into cyberpsychosis because it is. It is the junkie element. Like he's shaking, he doesn't eat, yep. he's blacking out, he's getting aggressive, he's getting agitated. You kind of see the mental breakdown of it rather than like the body breakdown. Like the body just stops, not respond, like the body responds, but the mind isn't there, is the point. Yeah, and you see 
not just the effects on him, but the effects on the people around him. Yeah. Which is a really important part of that whole thing. Yeah. I, uh, that's uh, particularly David. Yeah, and not not just physically as well, again, but yeah. like the relationships and yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's right. Like, again, Dario's trying to get him to eat at the start of it. Yeah, she uses like, uh, another great bit of slang, snarf. Main, when'd you last snarf anything? Snarf it, yeah. Like, you haven't had anything to snarf in a while. Yeah, that's that's definitely something that people are going to be saying in the future. <laughs> yeah, let's grab a snarf. What, wasn't snarf the cat from Thundercats? That's so before my time, dude. <laughs> Look it up. I'm certain. I mean, okay, if it's drawn directly from Thundercats, I'm okay with it. But if they just decided snarf sounds like something people would eat, yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, the way different people respond to it. Like, Dario is trying to take care of him and absolutely failing because she doesn't know how. Like, doing it in her way. And David's just, like, wanting to know he's going to be okay and, like again saying no no what do we find what do we find and like super optimistic because his father figure's dying yeah i don't think we can really get an idea of what lucy thinks about it i mean this whole episode is just like this is this is like foreshadowing the episode right this is yeah pretty much and i think the the kind of the way it goes through the whole arc quickly i guess and it's good that it kind of shocks you um, yeah. Especially because it is Main, and Main's like such a, a lovable character up until this point, I feel. Yeah, he's kind of like the heart of the team. He looks out for his people. He looks out for David. Like, he do- this isn't him. It's suddenly not him anymore. It's a monster wearing da- wearing his clothes. And he's, a, he's an important character. He's the big, strong guy. Like, he's the yeah. leader. He's one you would expect to be around for a while. Yeah, it's like he goes out in the blaze of glory, like saving the protagonist from from the villain, which he kind of does, but not at this point. It's like you'd expect him in the final episode to die, not in the, in the middle one. Yeah, it is that wake up call. Yeah, that this is a different story. Uh, yeah, which, I mean, we've had a lot of those, right? It's a very, you know, anyone can die at any point. Yeah, um, yeah, well, I think we kind of. Especially so, yeah. We needed to learn that with Pyla, and I think because Pyla was kind of comic relief, um, we didn't really yep. take it to heart. And now that it's main, it's like, oh shit! It really is yeah. anyone can die, and Dario yeah, as well, exactly. who was kind of like the second sider. Yeah, yeah. Live fast, die young. We've said just that about Cyberpunk. Before. Same, yeah, the same idea, but just like upping the stakes, right? Yeah, um, and building it up as the story progresses. Yeah. So good talk. Yep, we just we 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 get it right. We understand art. We, we know. Yeah, I. Here's my thing. I really like the cyberpsychosis and the main parts of this episode. And unfortunately, yes. there was a lot of David and Lucy stuff as well. <laughs> Which and it only becomes more pre- prevalent. Um, yeah, once Maine's dead. Yeah, yeah. And just like, and when I realized, oh wait, Maine's dead. Oh, is it just going to be those two then? And I didn't like their bits. Am I going to like the rest of the show then? <laughs> yeah, it's fair. I think the David Lucy dynamic is probably the least one of my least favorite parts of the show. It felt very. It is a very anime dynamic. Dynamic. Yeah, 
where uh, they have t- their little which... call for it. Like, okay, the moment where she's yeah, saying, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that because basically, when she he goes in and there's there's a bit, but it's he says you don't have to do this. He says we're not doing this, and she's like, no, 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 I have to do this, but you need to say you believe in me. I'm like, okay, that's a weird <sighs> way of taking taking the um, impetus off yourself or the agency off yourself, but okay. And then there's like the call and response later on where before he goes back in, he's like, hey, say you believe in me. And then he's gone before she can say it. Yeah, of course he's able to just do it without having to have her respond. Well, he does say late, like when he's going through the, the rooms trying to find Maine, he does say you need to believe. Yeah. Like he, he knows she didn't say it, but he's doing yeah. it anyway. And it's, like, it's kind of eating him up that she didn't say it. But that's the difference between them, right? Because he's a man and she's a woman. I, I just didn't get... Cause she's that's a, anime. She was like full on super tough and like dragging him around and just saying, no, I can do this, but you need to say I can do it. Like telling him this is what I need to hear as my boyfriend now. But yeah, I, I mean, this is the problem. I think this is a lot of female characters in anime. Um, especially because she starts off as like such a strong character. Yeah, she's a badass. Early in the series. Yeah, she's very much, like, above David in terms of competency and, like, ability. Um, yeah. And she still is in some respects, like, later on in the series. But... I, I think she remains above it in all respects, honestly. Yeah. Um, but there is that, like, oh, she's still a woman, you know? Like, she's still... She, she has to hear him say it to to do it. Like, she's yeah. too emotional. I don't, I don't get any of it, honestly. Uh, that's my that's my interpretation. I mean, I think yeah. it's a right. In- I can't think of any other interpretation. Yeah, and it, it just feels like a, I don't know. It's like an artificial relationship almost. Like we need yeah. to to make a connection between these two. Um, which, well, I, I mean, also, up until that point, they had they had like an okay chemistry. I thought it wasn't yeah. like amazing, but it was like no. you understood was, her motivations to the moon, and there was like yeah. a connection there. I was wondering if. It was a test from her of if he's going to stand up and like, tell me what to do, is he going to do it for my best interest or just whatever I tell him to? Right. Because she's like, I can do this, but you need to say it. And if he'd gone, no, it's going to fucking kill you. We're going. Then that's better than if he then goes, no, I believe in you. It's like, that's not what she wanted to hear. She wanted him to actually like grow a a spine. (laughs) And, like, stand up to her as well. Oh, you think she's just, like, playing games? Uh. Yeah. I don't know what that says about me, but the whole thing just does not make sense to me in any way. Yeah, I'm just not a fan of that whole... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not great. David... Dario and Maine for life. David and Lucy, maybe not so much. Um, and But that becomes more of a thing as well throughout the series. It becomes a bit more kind of abstract, the relationship. And considering yeah. the rest of the series is very, like, straight to the point... It's like, oh, this thing is happening. Like, this is how I feel. Like, and it just moves on quickly. Um, the it does feel very drawn out. The stuff with David and Lucy. Yeah, because a lot a lot of it is like kind of them sitting in silence or just looking at each other, or one of them saying something and they're not actually like when she's about to go in to the deep dive. Like he asks some questions and she doesn't answer, and then she says something and then doesn't actually follow through. And it's like all the stuff that they don't say. Yeah, there's all that that will they, won't they, in different respects of yeah. Yeah, and it does. 
yeah, they're not good at opening up immediately. And it's like, it takes them a couple of episodes to actually say what they mean. But by that stage, it's a little bit too late. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, let's get let's not talk about them anymore. Yeah, we're done with them. The because there was really a lot of else. cool, lots of cool sh- fighting stuff. Yep, and shooties and zapping and Maine's super crazy eyes. Oh yeah, super crazy. Oh god, that, was that was that because of his cyber psychosis or just that why he wears glasses? <laughs> It'd be funny if it was just like that all the time. Yeah, because it's just that blank stare. That was amazing. Um. Yeah, but again, the eyes, and not just the, the glitchy eyes, but he had that real the real madness in his eyes. Yeah, that thousand-yard stare of, like, I'm not even looking at you, I'm just looking into, like, kilometers in the distance. Oh, it was so weird. I loved it. Um, it was great, yeah. But yeah, there was also, I did like the element of having to hack into Tanaka while he was asleep and trying to, like, keep him out, but also knowing that if he wakes up and there's going to be a problem, we're going to have to kill him. Yeah. Like, so much stuff was going on with that. Yeah. Um, we also see... Um, was this the first time we've seen, like, the hacking sequence, like, visualized? Yeah. Yeah. Because that was... That's interesting as well. That's a whole thing. I thought it was a little too abstract for me. I didn't really understand. Like, I saw what they were doing, but it just felt like there wasn't any indication of how it worked. Like, it was like, right, here's a right. door. The door is now open and there's a corridor. I'm like, okay, did she, like, run a program? Is it just figured out the button that it works? Or what? I, it didn't seem clear. It was just, she's walking down a corridor. It was very much that abstract, esoteric feel to it. Which, great for the art feel to it. The art, um, the aesthetic. Yeah. But not really what I imagined it to be like. Yeah, um, but that's sometimes, I guess it's like, with certain spells, you know, people will want an explanation, I guess, you know, if they, yeah. like, oh, I cast Identify, like, what does that actually look like when, you know, is it a voice just speaking in your head, like, is it, are you kind of, like, delving, do you get, like, a flashback vision to, like, the creator as they're making this magic item, or... Yeah, see, that's what I think it is. Identify, you either you get all these images of it all being used over and over again through the years as it kind of like a deluge into your brain and then you can't hold that all. So you then just say a couple of the things, like what you hold on to is what it can do. But for that one moment where you're casting the spell, you remember every other time it's been used. Yeah. Um, well, That's I know me. like a trap that I can easily fall into is to just like skip over those sort of descriptions and details. Yeah. Like, oh, you cast identify, okay, this is what it does, and just explain it. Yeah. Um, but there is an opportunity there, right, to like, oh, well, what does this actually look like? You know, what does this actually mean when you cast this? Well, I always have the thing where I'm like, this this ring, you kind of get a sense of, like, chill from it. And, like, you get the feeling that if you put it on, that would cover your entire body. And my players go, yeah, but what does that mean? Like, <laughs> it means it gives you resistance to get cold. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's kind of the line you have to walk, right? Yeah. It, it's a little frustrating, but that's that's D&D in particular. This is why I've started giving out... <laughs> it's a little out, frustrating. That's d <laughs> I've started giving out um, items that aren't so much magical as better made. And they'll have code words. Like, this is a masterwork sword kind of thing. 
and masterwork means that it gives a certain advantage. Like it'll be a plus one to hit, but it won't be a plus one damage. Right. And it's not magical. It's just better made and it costs more. So I'm going, here, you can buy a masterwork hammer. You can buy a masterwork rapier. And that way they know what it is without me having to say, you can get a plus oh, one. okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is and- like card game design philosophy. Yes. We just introduce keywords. Yes. It's great. <laughs> I stole it from Arcadia and the MCDM guys, but yeah, it works right. so well because my players are no longer asking, what does that mean? Yeah. Fair. Honestly, fair. Yeah. I don't think it was the... I think I stole it from Guild Wars originally, where you just kind of fo- add more words on the front of it. It's like, it's the radiant glowing bowstring of death. Yeah. There, there is a certain point where it just becomes like, obnoxiously excessive. Yeah. I know. I love it. <laughs> uh, uh, what were we talking about? Cyberware? I can't remember. Shooting people? Probably. Oh yes, that's right. The 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 net running. Yeah, they were doing the hacking sequence. Sorry. Yeah, I liked some of it. Like, I think she got to the download section and like pressed a button, and then the little USB cable pops out. Yeah. Like, I liked that sort of visualization of it all, but I feel that this this isn't a show about net running. This is a show about Chrome. Yes, I, they, I agree very much. The plot is about the Chrome. If it was a plot about the net running, it'd be a very different show. And I think there'll be a different look of the net running and there'll be more of a focus about it. But because it's about metal and meat, I feel that they kind of skimped on what net running looks like. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's important still to a lot of the show and it's important for yeah. Lucy's character as well. Um, it's important to the show but I feel that it's not as developed yes Um, yeah because there is a whole bunch of stuff there's some more foreshadowing here with Lucy and her past yeah Uh, but I feel like I'm just not as invested throughout this series about that honestly about that no and I think that scene where she's downloading the the details about David and At the same time, David's talking with Tanaka. Tanaka. That's how it was. Tanaka. Tanaka. Fucking Tanakas. Um, And Tanaka's talking about how you really think these edge runners are going to protect you. Who do you think actually paid for the the run on me? Who's getting the data? It's just another massive corporation. Like, you can't escape us, David. One of us is going to find you. So you may as well come back with me and keep me alive. And I just like that that was kind of the same thing that Lucy's discovering. Like, why do they want David so much? David's kind of getting lured into this this trap at the same time. Like, one of the characters is learning about... One of the characters is being offered that road as the other character discovers what that road means. Yeah. Um, And this is, again, like, more foreshadowing. I think in the later half of this series, there's a lot more like, betrayal and subterfuge that happens. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, like, really kind of planting that seed as well of, like, oh, who's who's really behind this, you know? Mm. Um, well, and and I do first, like the... I think this is the first oh, reference we get to Militech. Yes. Uh, he mentions the other big corpo that they talk about. Um, and when he says, like, all roads lead to corpos, like, that's, yeah. again, like, a big... 
a big world building thing as well and that abstract element of like inevitability kind of like max tack of like yeah at yeah. a certain point you just it ends here yeah at a certain point there's the end of, well that's what main says this is the end of the line for me yeah and i think even no matter how like strong your characters get there's there needs to be a point right they're not they're not gods still yeah right there's it's, still something above them well, unless they become gods yeah, well, there's like a god killer then, you know, like there's... Yeah, Gore the God Butcher. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. he was just wasted in that film. Yes, well, we're not going to talk about the, the flaws okay. of Love and Thunder, all right? It, look, no, save we, that we for Patreon. That's, we save that that's for the a, Patreon. It's like a three-part special. Yeah, yeah. No, I like that as well. And it's also that element of giving... Well, reminding the characters that there is something massive. There is something always big. There's always a bigger fish. But part of the idea of cyberpunk is that you are, you're living on the edge. You're between these big corporations. Like you don't, you know, one's got their hands clean. Like they're not doing this for the goodness of their heart, attacking back at Arasaka. Someone's paying you to do this. And it also adds the element of like, oh, like David could have just been a corpo kid. Like he could have just stayed in school and like had this successful career there or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's like these are the two routes you can go, apparently. You either become a corpo kid or you become an edge runner. Um, I love that, though, of this idea of having a uh, a bad guy kind of captured. And even though he's, you know, disarmed and defenseless, he's still, like, mm. planting those seeds of dissent into your party. Even, like, yeah. you could just be lying, right? Or you could, you could make up a thing which turns out to be true later on because you're a GM and you can do that. Um but yeah, just that idea of like, it's because it, it's so powerful coming from yeah. someone in that situation. Yeah. Because uh, you think you've got the upper hand, but really it's like, and it's that, like this that little still, bit of, yeah. that little bit of, um, why would he lie at this stage? It's like, yes, even exactly. if it gets him out, it's, he's got to then live up to the deal. I've, tr- there's been a couple of adventures where I try to do that, where I try to have, just that little bit of a hint of, hey, maybe you could turn against the rest of the party. And it's particularly good in one shots because at the end of the day, great, one person died and the rest of the party got away or that one person turned against everyone and everyone else died. And I've never been able to get it quite right. And I've been trying to work out how to do it. And I feel yeah. like seeing like this would be the way to go. Yeah. Um, well, it's that thing of like, the message or the information is only as good as the source, right? And it's like, you yeah. want to plant that seed, but you really got to set it up in a way where it's going to land and really impact. Yeah. And it's got to have that, that buy-in from the player as well. Like this ties in with yeah. David's backstory and David's like, what makes him special? And if you've got a character who's like, yeah, I've done this in my past and you go, well, that's why I'm talking to you and not everyone else. That's why you're special. This is what we can do for you. We can give you the thing you want. Oh, well, a really great thing... Well, no one really splits the party in most of the games that I run. Smart. Because uh, that's just... Yeah, right, that's just a sensible thing to do. But I did have that happen once, um, somewhat recently in a game. And it, splitting the party is a great opportunity to like set up a moment like that, where you know one part, one part of the party is about to like discover a thing, but then the other half, you know, they're discovering information about like what's behind this door right as the other people are opening the door and you can like really set things up great that way by jumping back and forth. 
I I have difficulty doing that. Yeah, it requires them splitting the party, which is yeah, it requires them splitting happen. the party. <laughs> I I have difficulty balancing it in enough. I always want to like jump back too soon, and I feel like I don't give the uh, one group enough time. Uh, okay, yeah, fair. I think the way I had it in this particular situation, it was like a, it was like a essentially like a chest they weren't supposed to open, or it was like a device they weren't supposed to turn on, basically. Yeah. Um, but then one of them just went in there right away and turned it on. And I was like, okay, we're going to cut there to these other people and then have someone explain exactly what this thing is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and why you shouldn't turn it on. If you um, can time that properly, that's going to be perfect. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. I love those kind yeah. of cuts. There's a special name for them. I can't remember what it's called, though. Yeah. Uh, so, try to remember what else was really stood out about this episode. I mean, obviously I mean, a lot violence. of it was action. Yeah. A lot of it was action. I think the final shootout with Maine, when he like really loses, like, at what point do you think he completely lost it? Ah, oh, depends. Yeah, it depends how you want to define that. I guess probably when Doria dies, right? Yeah, like I think. I think that's when he gets like full sight. He loses whatever humanity he had left. But that's also interesting because. He's shooting at her before then. Does he? Is he the one that shot her, or is she like trying to save him? No, no, she no. Gets shot when in the she process? she gets shot in the process. I was wondering right. about that when I watched as well. But there's actually a cop on the ground who's shooting you. Ugh. Because um, that's the like that's when he just like points the gun at the ground and there's just like an explosion and this cop is just a red mist after that. Yeah. Um, but I'm pretty certain she managed to get an immuno. Um, amino blocker into him before that yeah but I don't think it does much I think it manages to get him like coherent yeah well he has like brief moments of lucidity after that like when he's talking to David when David comes back but I'm also wondering I'm wondering about this as well where it comes to cyberpsychosis is like is it a real thing or is it just like a complete detachment of your brain from what your body is Yeah. Because he seems pretty lucid and calm. And that's not what we've seen from other cyber psychos. And is that just because, like, immunosuppressive... It also tends itself to violence? Like, is it... Yeah. But he was already violent. If all your implants were, like, pleasure implants, would cyber psychosis, like, just still make you want to kill everything? Or would it, you know... Maybe. Is it just because they have, like, weapons? Like, all their implants are, like, weapon-based and, you know, designed for violence? Yeah, I, I just, I think that's what it is, that it is all weapons and they just start to use them nonstop and don't see other people as people. You see them as other programs that can be switched off yeah. and turned back on. So you just tear them apart. But this this sequence, after, after Dorio dies, that takes it to another level. Like, because that's about the time when the trauma team shows up. Yes, and I do and love... Yeah, trauma team, always great to see them. Always great to see a trauma team. Um, just the fact that he like then grabs Tanaka off his chest, where he's been using him as a shield so the trauma team can't shoot him. Yeah, and just starts he's just like bundled like a little baby. like Yeah, like chained to his chest, and he just starts smacking people with Tanaka's corpse. <sighs> and literally it's like his brutal. head... 
It is so gory and violent. And I just love that moment. One of the trauma team looks over and Tanaka's face is like detached and plastered to the wall. And he just says something like, Platinum member, Platinum client dead. <laughs> just move out. They're like, well, <laughs> we can't get him. I guess we're going to go. Yeah. And, um, they- and I do, I do love that, like, the fact that trauma team pulls out is like a yeah. really great indicator as well of like the stakes, you know. Well, it is a little bit like, well, there's no reason for us to be here anymore. Yeah. But I love also that they're the ones that called in backup. Like, there was shots fired, and they're like, oh, shit, there's something going on. We better call in Night City PD so we got, like, a bit of bit of support. And then after half the cops are being killed and Maine's wandering the halls like this zombie ogre just fucking destroying everyone, the troll team's like, all right, cool, so we're going to leave. This is on you guys now. Later. Yeah. But then he just like throws a grenade and takes them out as well. It's great. It's like poor yeah. poor trauma team, um, but it's so cool. It's an interesting thing as well of like cuz normally well, it depends like how murder hoboy are your players. I guess my first question. Um depends on the game. Depends on the session. Right. What about in your kind of regular campaign? I would say not too murder hobo-y. I have managed to teach them a little bit um, through yeah, a series of treats um, and um, electric shock therapy. <laughs> yeah, uh, just turn off their implants. You know, yeah. Their, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, well, I think there's implications in a in a longer campaign, right? Like the longer the game, the more consequences you have to deal with. Yeah. Uh, so I think players will t- naturally tend away from that at least a little bit, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but I, I, think I think murder hobos are very common when it's a, a one shot, but also when it's a new player who doesn't understand that this could be going on for quite a while. Yes, yes. Um, but I think that people still have a like an innate tendency or desire to want to just let loose once in a while, right? Yeah. Um, and this is this is kind of what this is. This is like what would happen if you just went nuts. Like the barbarian didn't care about all the the town guard or whatever would just like take mm-hmm. them all out because he could but he's not going to because it's like a bad thing to do but like well, what if he did you know the other part is of trying to get away at the end like if there's no way out for you yeah you're just gonna go what's the f- term balls deep no hard ham ham yeah ham he's just gonna go ham, ham. <laughs> yeah like blaze of glory for sure yeah um, um and that's like a fun outlet for players sometimes yeah. you know like maybe even just they might say like out of character you've had a discussion like out of the game that they want to make a new character for example so it's like yeah this is a great way to go mm. particularly if you've well this feels like you've got a couple of character couple of players who want to go out who aren't maybe they're enjoying the characters but they want to try something different and they're happy for them to kill so there goes dorio and then maid wants to have like a blaze of glory so you set up a little pyre and it's like yeah gonna take out the entire max tac team at the same time it's just ridiculously yeah. cool or you could set it up even as maybe like a uh, maybe a dream sequence although i don't super like that nah. or you can just set up like enemies maybe up until that point the game's been you know there's a lot of like ethical dilemmas and it's like oh we have to be really careful about like who we fight and how we fight yeah. um but maybe you just chuck like 
yeah, you just chuck uh, some constructy type enemies where they don't have to feel guilty about killing, um, and just like load them up with, just make them feel strong for a bit. You know, like that's people love that from time to time. They do. Well, this is why, again, talking about Arcadia and MCDM, that they have the concept of minions, which comes from Fourth Edition. Then you yep. have these low-level creatures like zombies that you can just wade through. Like every hit kills two or three of them. Yeah. And that way you get to be like, yeah, you're just like slaughtering your way through these hordes of people and you're feeling so powerful. And then the giant comes along and squishes you. Yeah. Um, but it's fine. Yeah. People just like, like killing stuff. Honestly, that's the bottom line. Yeah. Uh, I, they do like killing stuff. I found they don't like killing each other as much unless it's intentional. Uh, I did one of the things about mains like cyber psychosis I like that idea of when a character gets charmed or turned against the rest of the party that would be kind of how I'd do it of you just kind of get these dead eyes and you just don't recognize the other people in your party and you have to kill them that is always a tricky a tricky situation yeah as well um, because it is, it's like, I mean, that's PVP in general, right? It's like, where do you draw that line? And you have to, you have to really make sure your players understand kind of out of character as well. Like the boundaries of what's, what's too much and what's, yeah. I I'd often do it with, um, a series of ghosts who possess like the, the massive, um, melee hitters. Yep. And then just start smacking around the rest of the party. And it's just, it's fun because they're never doing it to kill. It's always to capture. Like that's kind of the ghost thing. They capture one player and then they knock out another one and drag them away. But yeah, it is just kind of fun when you see this, this barbarian smacking everyone around and then just turns around and goes, right now it's your turn. (laughs) Yeah. Um, How much do you kind of just tell your player if you kind of possess a player how much do you tell them like oh this is your this is what you should do here or how much do you like let them kind of decide for themselves what's appropriate i always let them roll the dice um because i'm cruel that way and it makes them feel like they're actually the ones hurting their their friends yeah um i will tell them who they're going to attack i let them choose how okay sure that's i I like that i think that's a good compromise yeah. yeah, or I say, you want to do this, it's up to you to determine how. It kind of depends on what's actually happened to them. If they've been charmed, like if they still have control over their own agency, then I tell them, you can do it however you want. This is just what you know you need to do. If they're possessed, I'm saying, this is what you're going to try to do. Yes, and what okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and because obviously there's degrees of, of being charmed as well and things like that. Yeah. Uh, which is, of course, the most evil of all magics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people forget how, like, really messed up yeah. mind-control Necromancy gets a bad rep. Like, there's healing magic with necromancy. Like, resurrection is yeah. not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, charm magic and enchantment. No, that's messed up. That Modify is, memory that... is the creepiest spell in the game. Oh, yeah. And I think anyone who plays a character that likes to utilize charm magic i think you should feel very bad about yourself and you should every bard in existence feel very bad about yourself especially those that use hypnotic pattern you should yep. um, be very ashamed of yourselves <laughs> yeah those that really listen to a lot of moulin rouge 
<laughs> All right, I feel like we're getting a little specific now, and I what? I don't want to lose this. It's not, not the Baz Luhrmann part of the podcast. <laughs> no, we we got through that earlier. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else we can talk about with this episode because well, I mean, I guess there's some. Do good you watch stuff a lot of anime? That. I I wouldn't say a lot. I've seen a lot. What about like action sequences in anime? I guess. Um, like to contrast or compare. I'm trying to think of what I've seen recently. I mean, the the Vox Machina, Legend of Vox Machina is very anime style, even if it's not. I was, I think we were talking about Gurren Lagann way back when, um, yep. in relation to this. And it actually turns out that the same uh, production team that did Gurren Lagann did this. Yeah, it does have that feel, like, when things start to get intense it gets really like loose and messy you know like the art style and everything and stuff's just stuff just happening like quickly and just all over the place what i do also notice is that you can't always make out what everything is like little that loose and messiness that you were talking about but it might be you'll see an arm like coated in blood but the entire entire screen is just red yeah there were and a few moments lines. like that where like, it was i don't even just... know what i'm looking at right now yeah, and there was some where it was just... It'd be like a flat red where you just, like, paint everything yeah. just in one shade. You know, haven't added, like, the shadows or details in between. It's just, like, it's just red. Which looks really cool. Yes. But also, you're like, I, I don't even know. I'm just looking at it, I, an awesome image right now. But yeah. they, they do love the slow-mo as well. For like Slow-mo... We've talked about how when somebody really gets killed, we see it from three different angles. The triple. They did that for yeah, the, the, triple um, thing. the EMP last episode. JK. Oh, they did too. Yeah. Maybe that's Which just really drove home. Yeah, it main, really drove home that thing. Yeah, that main, that's when Main kind of gets, gets fried. If that's his death scene. I'm just quickly looking at what anime I actually have like available for me to watch. <laughs> right, like in general, the ones that I've cared about enough to um, to buy on DVD. And so far, I've seen Samurai Flamenco, uh, Rene, and um, Samurai Pizza Cats. So I feel that I might not be the best judge of action in an anime. That's sure. Well, I mean, it's... I think, oh, like, sorry, the I forgot Yuri strokes. Yuri as well. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think the broad strokes is just, like, legibility of the scene, right? Like, some will definitely go for that. Oh, I can tell exactly what's happening it's very deliberate like and that's the thing about animation in general right anything in animation is deliberate yeah um so it's like are we deliberately trying to explain the action to the viewer like this is what's happening this is exactly what you're supposed to see or is it just like we don't really want the viewer to know we just want it to be like a mess and we're just going for the vibe and the feeling of it rather than like the specifics yes <laughs> I <laughs> I have no idea to tell the truth. Yeah. I I'm not the person to talk about when it comes to Well, that's just like the open that's a lot of this series has been like that where it's like we're just going to we're not going to explain all the details exactly how every little bit of this world works. We're just going to show yeah. you enough. That's yeah. a good that's a good point. Like Max Tack, I don't think we even really learn what it stands for. But we just know each time they show up. I think it's like when you have bad breath and you want like a really strong little zero calorie mint, get a max tack. <laughs> For a minute there, I thought you were just going to make a comment on my breath. No, uh, yeah, I think that's that's it. That you just 
they aren't giving you all the information. They're getting you work it out yourself. And that's kind of like, they're not saying this is how Maine's gun work. This is how yeah. everything goes on. It's just, you know, it's a gun, you know, guns shoot. He shot. Yeah. The Don't end. overburden your players with too much information. They're yeah. not going to care. They're, no, they're not. They're not going to remember. You tell them the important stuff. And if they're really interested in something, they'll ask, hopefully, yeah. or they'll just come up with stuff themselves. They'll just imagine like, oh, like, I wonder what about this or that. And then you can just steal that from them. You don't have to come up with it yourself even. That's a, I, that's a good trick, actually. I keep remembering, well, this is a story I tell a lot. The second edition Dungeon Master's Guide had ways of like building your world. And they talk about how a lot of players, when you give them a chest full of gold, will say, oh, cool, how much gold? Like, you'll say, you find a chest. It's got a thousand gold coins in it. And they go, great, I start shoving it in my bag. And another way to do it is to say, you find a chest. It's got a thousand gold pieces. And on one side, it's got the eagle of the empire that formed many years before you were born. And they go, oh, wow, what's on the other side? It's like the head of the king. And go, cool, I chuck it in my bag. Yeah. And it's like, it's going to be the same thing, but you can have those little bits and pieces and never explain any of it. But if you know it, if you know that it's there, it's going to hold in their minds. Yeah. I think it's, it's, they might not care, but maybe they will just come up with it themselves. Maybe they'll, maybe you don't tell them until they ask about it. Yeah. That's another good one. And sometimes, honestly, you'll have leads that just die into nothing. You're like, oh, I planted a cool thing, but then they just don't follow up on it at all. Yeah, you're like, great, um, next time. Next time and they play Yeah, well, sometimes you just, like, scratch it off. Like, well, you know what? It's fine. Like, we just... That doesn't have to actually mean anything, you know? Yeah. That That's that's definitely a thing. Sometimes... <laughs> sometimes things just happen. Sometimes episodes just happen. <laughs> yes. Do we want to talk about... <laughs> what do you NPCs? want to talk about? Yeah, we'll talk about NCVCs. I'm just going to talk about the very single tier that David cries as he, he drives away from... <laughs> From the explosion holding Maine's arm. Little baby. Ugh. I'm going to point out that he takes Maine's arm with him. That's <laughs> so funny. That's really funny. That's like, messed up. I know, it's, I know it's a really like serious moment, but it is just funny to see him carrying these arms. Yeah, it's like, I've got, I've got his hands. It's okay. Everyone's dead, but I've got his hands. Because it, it's Fuck just like oath, that man. trope of like, like a memento from a character. Yeah. But it's just like his body parts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could talk about taking body parts from... Well, not body parts, but mementos from fallen comrades. We won't. <laughs> just what the oh, fuck? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like nothing. Just like... Um, uh, like, undervalues a scene when, like, a character dies. And you're like, okay, who's getting his magic items? Like, yes. Like, sort this yes. Out. Yeah. <laughs> it is. As soon as you die, I get your shit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I loot the body. Yep. <laughs> this is why Disintegrate is one of the best spells because it gets rid of the character's corpse. And it's like, yep, there's no magic items left. Yep. <sighs> All right, let's, let's now talk about PCs and NPCs and who we'd make yep. in from this episode into our game. Um, I'll go first because I want to. Uh, unless you really want to. I'm no, you can easy. invoke your... I'll invoke uh, my very hosting, vast, right? Yeah. I was about to say very vast seniority. That's true. Hey, wait, that's me. <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, I am going to talk about second edition. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pick Dorio for this one, partly because she dies. Um, So there's not much more. I can't pick her again. She's dead. Uh, But mainly because she keeps trying to like support Maine, even as he's going cyber psycho. 
Like she's very aware. Like part of it is is pragmatic. She's very aware that her best chance of getting out of there is to get keep Main alive and sane. But yes. a little bit of is like this is the team function. She's like smacking him around and like te- like even at the beginning of the episode, she's like trying to take care of him. It's like that's her dynamic with him. But she's still trying to complete the mission as much as she can. And I yeah. like that for a character. I like someone who, even when the rest of the world is falling apart around them, will continue to try to beat the mission. She kind of works as a PC, an NPC as well, because I like her as the I think it's soul like... survivor. Sorry, I'll just finish my thought. There's oh, um, yeah. a soul survivor of a party where the mission didn't go well, and now she's got to hire the adventurers to finish off the one that she couldn't do. Oh, that's a fun hook. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. But that's, that's um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, like it's, I think for people, um, people think about characters a lot in terms of like the mechanics of what they can do, or they think about like role play, but you also, it's an interesting thing there about like, from a metagame perspective, like this is the character that like keeps the party on track, like keeps the players yeah. on track. Um, cause that's an important like element to have at the table is to have someone who's like, okay, we're actually, who's like, you know, you've got people who keep notes, right. And keep track of things. You've got the people who make sure you stay on task as well and stuff. Um, and that's an important like element to round out a table, I think. And if you, if you want to think about like how you can be a better player uh, or what, how you can bring things to the table, um, that's a really kind of valuable thing as well. Yeah. 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 It's not, Dario never really seems like someone who has her own agenda. It's like the group has decided to do this. The group has this task and she's just following through with that. Yes. It's like Maine's yeah. got his own ideas, but she's just trying to go, okay, cool. Maine's got to do this. Well, we got to do this. And yeah, it's just, uh, I like that way of doing it. It's, it's like a good supporting character. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it could be an easy NPC, but I think it'd be more fun for me as a player to have that characterization. Um, as a dungeon master or a game master, I would very much like to create that character as an NPC who will support the group, but it doesn't actually go on adventures with them. Yes. Yeah. So what about you, Afif? Who are you going to pick? Oh, I mean, it's not a lot of characters in this episode. Are you going to pick the trauma team? You are. Or I'm pick the trauma sports. team guy who wants to like bail out as soon as things get bad. Yeah. Pretty pick much. Tanaka's corpse just so you can be like, yeah, it's kind of connected, Katsu. Uh, um, well, you does Falco he inherit his punch? <laughs> Falco, Falco one for punch. the one punch. Oh, why is Falco? I mean, we'll talk about Falco later, like yeah, surely. But why is he dressed the way that he is? That's because my cool. question. He's so different from everyone else in the Southern right, world. I, I'm going to throw it out now. We'll see if this builds later on when we talk about Falco and more. Yeah. Falco isn't chromed. And Falco's Surely his is, fist is. Probably. Surely. Probably. But his look is old-timey steamship bartender. Yes, he's like an Old West kind of, yep. Yeah, and I reckon that's basically because he's not chromed. He is this archaic person in a modern world. So they've gone for that look. I think it's because his voice actor also played the voice of a cowboy. Okay, yeah, that might be it too. But (laughs) we'll get to that. All right. So uh, thank you so much for listening in to us waffle on and talk about violence 
for uh, for an hour. Um, come back next week where we're going to talk about the next episode, which is stronger. And yeah, that one's a good one, actually. That's a time That's skip. Good. Time skip. Always times good to have a time skip four episodes from the end. Uh, not a huge time skip, but we'll talk about that next week, I'm sure. Uh, if you want to keep in t- get in touch with us, send an email to dndntvpod at gmail.com. Ask us questions about Cyberpunk, about why we haven't played it yet, um, whether you've had some good stories from it, some cool heists, anything like that, that when you went Cyber Psycho, sure. I I'm sure that's a thing in the game. Uh, you can also reach out on Instagram, where there'll be updates as well, which is dndntvpod. Twitter is a shit show, but you can probably find us there as well. Well, you can find the podcast there. You can't find a thief. A thief is non-connected to the internet. Uh, you can't find me anywhere on the old... The interwebs 3? Yeah, you need a... Uh, the ice protocols are too strong. You need they a... are. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I love that they never actually explain what ice means. There's a lot. There's a lot with the net running that they really. I mean, I know what ice means, but it doesn't matter. It's just it's ice. It's like, oh no, ice. It's confusing when they've got those the baths full of ice as well. It's kind of yeah. Oh, we forgot about just the amount of sheer fan service from this episode. Like the amount of naked women in this episode is ridiculous. I mean, honestly, who cares about naked women though? Like, let's be real. They not when there's violence on the table. They did make it remarkably non-sexual for the most part. Like it was just their their bits of meat, like that's not, and not in a like a not better. Oh. No, not that's it isn't better, but it's not in a crass way. It's not like objectifying them. It's like yes. you are literally just another piece of machinery right now. Yeah, like everybody in this world is a piece is a machine, and you're just a machine without like the dressing on. So that was interesting, um, which we could probably delve into, but it doesn't have to do with RPGs because we don't have naked people in RPGs. We're smart that way. I am waffling on. Uh, We are brought to you this week by Masters of Alchemy, um, premier game service, game mastering services of Melbourne. So you can check them out at mastersofalchemy.com if you would like to hire any of us to run games for you, perhaps Cyberpunk. Um, But until next week, stay safe, be kind to yourselves. Uh, Wesley, crush it out there and may all your hits be crits.